Hey everyone, welcome to the Tuya Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. The Word of God is for everybody. The Word knows no gender, of course. And this is for the young men all the way up to the older men. And it's for the ladies. Everything I'm going to say this morning, except for just a few things, would apply to everybody in the room. So the youngest guys in the room, where's Willie? Is Willie over here somewhere? Yeah, hold up your hand. Let me see you. All right, right there. Willie, how old are you? How old? 13. So this is for the 13-year-olds, the 8-year-olds, all the way up to the 60-something-year-olds. Amen? So it doesn't matter what your age is, what I have to say is for every single one of you. So let me start with my first point. The very first thing I'd like to say as I look across this room, gentlemen, is that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you that you're in the house of God on Sunday morning on Father's Day. I'm proud of you that you chose Jesus Christ. If you're with family, I'm proud of you that you're here with family. If you're by yourself, I'm proud of you that you're here in church. Listen, I don't know if you ever heard that from your dad. If you did hear it from your dad, I heard it from my dad. Thank God for it. But if you haven't heard it from your dad, I want you to know that your pastor is proud of you. I want you to know that your heavenly father is proud of you and that it's no small thing that you've said yes to Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. You will never regret following God. You will never regret saying yes to Jesus Christ. You will never regret sitting in church next to your family, whether it's a wife, a girlfriend, children, grandchildren, or whether you're here alone. Listen, I've counseled hundreds of people hundreds of people over my years in the ministry and as a Christian. I've counseled children, teenagers, parents, grandparents, single parents, blended families. I could go on and on. And I've heard all kinds of stories from people about heartache, about hurt, about regret. I've heard story after story after story, but I've never ever heard one person say to me, hey, pastor, I'm sorry I said yes to Jesus. I'm sorry I went to church. I'm sorry I took time to go to the house of God and to pray and to read my Bible during the week and to give in the offering. I've never ran into anybody that ever said, hey, I went to church too much. I prayed too much. I listened to God too much. I've never heard anybody say that. Listen, you're on the right path, okay? You will never regret. It doesn't matter if you're 13. It doesn't matter if you're eight. It doesn't matter if you're in your 60s or your 70s. Listen, I've lived long enough for this verse to be true. It says, I was young, and now I'm older. I'll say older instead of old, amen? And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread. Listen, same thing for ladies, Thank you, ladies, for being here. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus Christ. If you've lived very long, you know that you don't have any regrets from doing that. Here's something I'd like to challenge you with this morning. Just think about for a moment who's in charge of your life, who's on the throne of your heart, who's on the throne of your life. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was a 12-year-old boy. And from 12 until 21, that's how long it took me to get serious about God. 
from 12 to 21. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That was just the journey that I took. But at 21 years old, there was somebody on the throne of my life that had to get off. And you know who it was. It was me. I was in charge of my life. I was on the throne of my life. I was going to do my own thing anytime I wanted to. And at 21 years old, I made the decision that I was going to knock Rusty off that throne, and it was going to be empty, and I was going to allow Jesus Christ to take his rightful place in my life. Now, I don't know what's on the throne of your life. Maybe it's been you. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's recreation. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's work. I don't know what it is. But whatever you have on the throne of your life, if it's not Jesus, and you know whether it is or not, I want to encourage you to knock that thing off, knock that person off if it's you, and put Jesus Christ once and for all first place in your life. What have we found out? Well, we found out that Lord means boss. You see, Jesus is my Savior, but he's also my Lord, which means he's my boss. He's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator, but he's my boss, which means what? I want my life. I want my actions. I want my thoughts to please him. Gentlemen, here's the second thing. If you're married, put your wife in an important priority place in your life. Jesus Christ should be your Lord, and then you should make sure that you're taking time to be the husband that God's called you to be. If you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have great-grandchildren, that you put them as a priority in your life. Listen to me, gentlemen. It's never too late to be a dad. You may be here this morning and you may think, hey, I've messed up. You know, hey, it's too late for me. Hey, my kids are grown. Or, hey, my kids don't live anywhere around. Or, hey, I don't have a good relationship with them. It's never too late to be a father. Whether you need to send a text, whether you need to make a phone call, whether you need to send an email, whether you need to write a letter, whatever it is you need to do, it's never too late to be a dad. It's never too late to be a grandfather. It's never too late to be a great-grandfather. I know men in their 30s and 40s who don't know their fathers and have made many efforts to try to find their dads to connect with them. So let me encourage you. Gentlemen, put Jesus on the throne of your heart. If you're married, love your wife. If you have children, love your children. It's pretty simple, amen? All right, I want to read to you this morning out of the book of Joshua, starting with chapter 1, and I'm going to read two verses. Let me set this up. Moses has gotten the children of Israel, an entire nation, out of the land of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery. God raised up Moses. For all intents and purposes, Moses is really the hero of the Old Testament. The most important story in the Old Testament is the Exodus. Of course, the most important story in the New Testament, or the whole Bible for that matter, is the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, now Jesus is the hero of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the hero, and no one comes close to Jesus. The entire Bible is pointing you to Jesus Christ. So whether you read Genesis or you read Revelation, it's always pointing to Jesus. That being said, if you had to pick a hero in the Bible, Old Testament, I would pick Moses. Moses was amazing. Now, here's the thing. Moses has died, and they've had his funeral, and this young man named Joshua is getting ready to take over, and he's nervous, and he's got some big shoes to fill, 
And he's got to see God's promises fulfilled in his nation. And God has chosen him to lead. And God, right here where I'm about to read, is giving him some advice. Now, if God's giving advice, I want to listen. You see, every time you read your Bible, God's giving advice. I start my day reading the Bible every single day. I got up this morning and read my Bible. I will get up in the morning and read my Bible. And every time you read the Bible, every time you hear the Bible, God is giving advice. He's giving Joshua some advice, and I want you to listen to what he says to him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law, which is another way of saying the Bible, the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. The word meditate means to mutter. It means to mumble. It means to roll over. Imagine putting a pair of tennis shoes in a dryer. You can hear that thing thumping all over the house, can't you? I mean, right? I mean, it'll knock the dryer out of a line. You have to go put it back in a line. It's rolling over. That's what meditate means. It means to read the scripture in the morning, and then during your day, you let it roll over in your mind, and you think about it, and you mutter, and you meditate. Here's what he told him. He said, hey, take the Bible. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Now, don't miss this that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Now, I'm not trying to set you up for failure, but here's what I want you to know. When you read the Bible and it says something to do, do it. When the Bible gives you advice, listen to the advice. Don't just do your own thing. Make a decision, man, I'm gonna read God's word. I'm gonna listen to God's word. And then I, and by God's grace and God's strength and God's help, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm gonna put it to work in my life to the best of my ability. Then listen what will happen when you do that. I love this. It says, for then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Now, I don't know a person in this room, young man, old man, young woman, old woman, I don't know a person in this room who doesn't want to prosper and be successful. Probably nobody this morning would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I'll pass on that. I don't believe I want that. Okay, I don't, I don't want to prosper. I don't want my family to prosper. I don't want my children to prosper. I don't, I don't want to be successful. I don't, I don't want that in my life. No, everybody wants that. Sinners want that. Worldly people want that. There's not a person that I've ever met that doesn't want to prosper and be successful. So can we just stop for a second? What did he say to do? He told Joshua, and he's telling you and I, take some time to read God's Word. Take some time to not only listen to it, but take it to heart and do what it says. And throughout your day, think about the promises of God. And God said, I will make your way prosperous. I will make you a success. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, let me continue to read. Listen to what it says. He says, have I not commanded you? Now, stop right there. Have I not commanded you? Those are pretty strong words. Have you ever heard that saying before? It's not the 10 suggestions, right? Yeah, it's not the 10 suggestions. It's the 10 commandments. You know, the Bible's not a book of suggestions, but it's a, it's a book of commands that there's right and there's wrong, and God has some things laid out for us, Amen. So he says right here, I'm commanding you to do something. Now look at what he says to Joshua, and he's saying the same thing to you and I. Have I not commanded you? Now here it is. Number one, be strong. Be strong. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid, and don't be dismayed. Now listen to it one more time. Be strong. 
Be courageous. Don't be afraid. And don't be dismayed. Anybody ever struggled with that? Man, I have. Man, I've been afraid. I'm sitting in the doctor's office, and he comes in and says, uh, you're going to need a new heart valve, and here's your two choices. I, I looked around the room like, my God, I went in the wrong door. Right? I'm in the wrong room. You're, you're, I don't need that. You know, I have to pick which heart valve to get. You know, thank God they didn't give me prices, right? I mean, if Miss, Miss Vicky was there, if they had told us how much it cost, I wouldn't have got one, right? I mean, I felt like I was in the wrong room. So I've, I've been afraid. Listen to it. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, don't miss this. God told Joshua, and God's telling us, you don't have to be afraid, whatever you're facing. You don't have to be dismayed. Be encouraged, because wherever you go, I'm with you. What did Jesus say? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed because I'm with you. Listen to this quote. Gentlemen, don't pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men. Don't pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men. John F. Kennedy said that. Uh, there's a football player who used to play for the New York Giants many years ago, back in the 50s and the 60s, and uh, his name was Frank Gifford. Some of you may have heard of him. Some of you may not have. Uh, he was married to a woman named Kathy Lee Gifford, and uh, he married her later in his life, and she was a Christian. She was raised in a Christian home, and later on in his life, in his 60s and 70s, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he became a Christian. And here's what he told her in his 80s. He said, to me, Jesus was always about religion. And he said, but when I became a Christian, I found out that it was about relationship. Listen, church is not about religion. Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Gentlemen and ladies, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it changes your life. Let me show you some simple things that God wants to do in your life, gentlemen. Here's the very first one. You know what I believe God's desire for you is? Is that you're a good man. Now, we all know the difference, don't we? There's been a time in my life I was not a good man, and there's been a time in my life that I've been a good man, and I know the difference, and you do too. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, God wants to lead you on the path to being a good man. Listen, not a self-righteous man, not a perfect man, not none of that stuff, not a religious man, but a good man which means a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather, a good employee, a good business owner, whatever's going on in your life, that, hey, I'm striving to be a good man. Here's the second thing he wants to do, and this is an uh, athletic term. He wants to make you a good teammate. Now, I know you think, well, I'm, I'm not on a team. I'm not, I'm not a teammate. Yes, you are. You're on all kinds of teams. Okay, look around this room. We're a team. Okay, tonight at 1 o'clock in the morning, we're sending a charter bus packed with teenagers. Every single seat is full. Uh, every, every, there's no room. If we, if we take any more, we'll have to tie them on top of the bus. Now, some of them need to be tied on top of the bus. Amen? And they would be ready for camp when they got there. 
Okay, I know that many of you, the majority of us are not going to camp, but we are going to camp. Listen, if you put a dollar in the offering to send a teenager, you're going. If you took a piece of paper and you're praying for a name, you're going. If you have a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew going and you're praying for them, you're going. We're a team. Amen? We're a team and we're reaching kids for Jesus, teenagers for Jesus, adults for Jesus. Folks, we've had to add a third service. We've had to add a third service. You know why? Because not because of me, but because Jesus Christ is changing lives. He's changing lives. So you know what that means? That means I want to be a good teammate. I want to be right in the middle of what God's doing, and I want to be part of the team. Listen, if you have a family, you're a team. I'm part of the gray team. We're a team. If you have a family, you're a team. If you have a job, you're on a team. Amen? I know that's a sports metaphor, but it's true. Okay, God wants you to be a good teammate, whether it's at church, whether it's in your family, whether it's at work. Now, I'm not a sports expert by any means, but I know this. Uh, if you're a good teammate, that means you're for everybody, and it's not just about you. Here's the next thing God wants to do in our lives is he wants us to be a brother to one another. Now, sisters, let me talk for just a minute to the brothers. Okay, what's it mean to be a good brother? Listen, every time you come through the door of this place, you need to look up and you need to recognize there's other men in this room. Hey, you older guys that are kind of my age and you're better looking than me and you have more hair than me, all you guys, let's even do 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's a pretty big group of guys, right? Okay, the guys that are here that are teenagers, the guys that are here that are in their 20s, the guys that are here that are in their 30s and they're trying to serve God, they need you to smile, they need you to say hello, they need you to shake their hand, they need you to buy them a latte in the coffee bar and make sure they get a donut, amen? You need to uh, reach out to one another and that we're brothers and that we care about each other. I talked to somebody one time that used to attend this church and they're not here anymore because they're in heaven with Jesus, dirty dog. And they're hanging out with Jesus this morning. You know what they told me? They said, one of the things that I love about your church is when you see me in the grocery store, you act like you know me. I thought, how weird is that? I mean, I, 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 you know, I can't imagine going to church with somebody when they see you in the store, they act like they don't know you. It's being a brother. Listen, gentlemen, can I encourage you? Thank you for bringing a brother in Christ to me. Thank you for being a brother in Christ to those in this room that you see around this community in this town and that we reach out to each other. We smile. We're friendly. We're kind. Even if you're really bold, hey, is there anything I could pray for you about? Is there anything I can do for you? And that you're reaching out to these young guys and that they're not showing up in here and leaving, and nobody's talking to them. Here's the next thing, and the, these are the last two, and they really matter. I want you to value being compassionate. Value being compassionate. That's not a very popular trait in our culture today. What does it mean to be compassionate? Well, I know this. Everybody in this room's been hurt. You've been hurt in relationships, You've given your heart to somebody and you've been hurt. And if you're not careful, you know what you do? Well, you zip that up and you don't let it out. And I'm not going to love anymore. I'm not going to reach out anymore. I'm not going to do that because all it got me was hurt. C.S. Lewis said that if you're going to love, you're going to be hurt. And if you don't want to be hurt, don't even love an animal. 
Don't love a dog and don't love a cat because what do they do? They die. That's what they do. And loved ones die. Mothers die. Fathers die. Grandparents die. Brothers die. Sisters die. Everybody in this room has been hurt. But can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to be the person that steps out and decides I'm going to be compassionate to those around me? I'm going to offer compassion. The compassion, the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Every morning when I walk, I pray several things. I pray over you every day. But one of the things I've been praying is that we would be an oasis of love. An oasis of love. And that the love of God would be evident in our lives and that it would explode in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we would see people through the eyes of God, not through our own eyes. And that we would be a people of love and that we would be compassionate. Here's the last thing. Can I encourage you to be open hearted? So many of you are open hearted. Charter buses are expensive. The very first time we went to camp, Kevin, we went 22 years ago, and I had the bright idea that I was going to rent a yellow school bus. I know, you're laughing. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to rent a yellow school bus, and I was going to drive it, okay? And people, yeah, I know, y'all are like, I wouldn't put my kid on no bus with you driving, okay? You'd be smart not to, amen? And Don Schulte, who uh, was in the earlier services, told me, Pastor, you don't want to do that. So we made the wise decision with help to get a charter bus, and we've had a charter bus every year for 22 years, and every year it's gone up, and they're more expensive. Charter buses are expensive. Ministry's expensive. We're taking the kids to the Riverwalk Mall. Do you know there's kids that go to camp that have never been out of Tulia? They never, seriously, they've never been out of West Texas very much, and when we pull into San Antonio, it's an awakening experience. And they get to go down on the river walk, and they get to see downtown, and they get to see the Alamo. You know, one of the most holy places in the world is the Alamo, right? And they get to see it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Patriots. Amen. <clears throat> then we take them to camp. Then we come back from camp, and we go to Fiesta, Texas for the afternoon, and they get to do all that stuff there. Anytime we're at camp, and somebody would say, oh, when do y'all leave? Well, we're leaving, and we're going to Fiesta, Texas first. And other leaders will say, I, I want to go to Fiesta, Texas. And I'm like, well, leave your kids and come get on the bus and go with us. I've done that before and gotten in trouble, Amen. All right, listen, you know why that all happens? It happens because you're open-hearted. Thank you for being open-hearted to kids, open-hearted to teenagers, open-hearted to men. Listen, the pinnacle of youth ministry happens right here this next week. Okay, then after this, the next big thing we're gonna do will be men's retreat. That's the pinnacle of men's ministry throughout the years, men's retreat coming up in September. You know how come it happens? Because you're open-hearted. All right, let me read them to you one more time, and we're going to close and we're going to pray. God's asking you to be a good man, to be a teammate, to be a brother, to value compassion, and to value being open-hearted. One more time, dads, men, not just dads, men. I'm proud of you. Mario, I'm proud of you. 
Kevin, I'm proud of you. If I could take time this morning and call every single one of you by name, I would. I'm proud of you that you love Jesus. I'm proud of you that you're in church. I'm proud of you that you're being a husband and a dad and you're trusting God to the best of your ability. Now, the most important thing of the day is the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Thank you, ladies. Amen? Did y'all miss it, ladies? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Right, that's the women, amen? Amen, come on, amen. Come on. I am proud of you, and I believe your father is. Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for Father's Day. Lord, I'm thankful for our men. I'm thankful for our young men, for our fathers, our grandfathers. Father God, and I pray your grace and strength that, Lord, as men, we would not pray for easy lives, but we would pray for strength to do what you've called us to do. Father, bless the men. Lord, bless the women. Bless our children and our teenagers. Father, as they leave tonight for camp, that your hand of grace is on the trip. It's on the week of camp. It's on their trip home. And that, Father, lives and families are changed because of camp. Father God, I love you, and I'm so thankful for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our families, in this community, and this great church. Father, you've been so good to us, and I'm so thankful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen. Praise God. Y'all stand up. Y'all are dismissed. Lord bless you. And y'all have a great rest of your day.